Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Will Rotondi. Hey, how's it going? And May Finch. Hello, hello. How are you doing, fellow party members? Having a good week? It's going. <laughs> We're recording this on a Monday, which is why we have an yeah. overabundance of energy <laughs> right at the start of the episode here. Normally, we don't record this on a Monday, but occasionally life gets in the way. On today's episode, we're going to be talking uh, Jason and the Argonauts for our SFX excellence uh, category, new category for 2023. Very excited to get into this. We will also be drawing a side quest. But first, May Finch has a little bit of relevant information on a cinema technique. So mm-hmm. take it away, May. Yeah. So we're talking about Jason and the Argonauts because of a pretty pioneering effect that you can see in the background of Will's video if you're <laughs> watching this on YouTube. But um, this guy named Ray Harryhausen, who you would know from a bunch of other films besides Jason the Argonauts, like Clash of the Titans, for instance, uh, devised a way to combine stop motion and live action footage uh, called Dynamation. And the way it was done was pretty cool because previously stop motion was done on like a basically recreated model set. But what he did was use uh, a backward projector onto his models and multiple panes of glass to layer a background recording and then a middle ground recording of the actual figurines. And then um, he had a third live action actor recording in the front. So it was all layered together and he used additional panes of glass to like soften the lighting on the puppets and try to make them look a bit more integrated with the footage is what produces our final magical effect of a several hundred foot tall Talos uh, chasing after Jason and his merry crew. So it's really cool. I um, I love stop motion in general, just because it's an art form that is like so time consuming and detail oriented. And it was really cool that uh, he found a way to incorporate it with live action footage. It's not perfect but i would say it definitely like looks surprisingly good for the time and the resources available have you guys um i mean i I know you've both seen this film before but uh what other kind of like animation have you seen maybe clash the titans and what's your kind of impression of it yeah, pretty much all of his films, for the most part, I think, with the exception of a couple, like any Harryhausen work, I'm obsessed again, as we established with the figurines I've started collecting behind me. Seventh Voyage of Sinbad's probably my personal favorite. Um, in that one, there's the Cyclops and the dragon and uh, a giant bird called the Rock. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm familiar with like all of his stuff. And I mean, it's worth like noting even into the 80s and i think like you know early 90s like this technique was considered the best for special effects um jurassic park famously the first film uh that pivoted from stop motion to cgi like they felt like the technology had gotten better there but phil tippett who we you know uh saw his work in, in mad god <laughs> last year 
was going to do stop motion for the dinosaurs. That's how good this technique can be in the right hand. So I, I love it. I think it's it's timeless and, and charming. And when it's done right, it's uh, it's pretty arresting still. Clash of the Titans, man. That's uh, I feel like that's probably the big one for me that I remember growing up. I vaguely remember Jason and the Argonauts, probably for uh, Talos uh, when he comes alive and rotates his head. Um, but I, I think I remember more being really freaked out of Medusa in Clash of the Titans and vaguely remembering the fight with the skeletons in uh, Jason and the Argonauts. I thought that was really cool to revisit that. So Medusa is the, probably one of the scariest tense scenes in like all of cinema, like especially in like a, a non-horror movie, you know, like that is a really, really outstanding sequence. Hopefully we get to talk about it on a on a future pod. Taking notes right now. I'm gonna have this. <laughs> we should just have a Harryhausen category for our October like monster madness. Don't threaten <laughs> me with a good time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, May, for uh, for enlightening us on the the process. That's really cool that we get to tie that into the episode today. Uh, do you have a favorite besides Jason and the Argonauts? Have you? Are there any other films that you? Uh, you like or you're familiar with so this is actually the only one i've seen so whether we do it on the pod or not i will be taking a harry housen journey <laughs> oh, absolutely sweet yes yes do it <laughs> <laughs> well um let's draw a side quest here see what we get and uh this is a throw your popcorn so we're familiar <laughs> with this category, but if you're new to the podcast or it's been a while, uh, we are going to highlight a moment in a film that made us literally or figuratively throw our popcorn, maybe out of exasperation, frustration, you know, whatever. Not a good thing to throw your popcorn, usually. Uh, although it's better than like, you know, the tomatoes you used to see in the cartoons, right? Like the rotten tomatoes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I finally watched The Blair Witch Project like a week ago because yeah. I was just having one of those days where you just watch movies in bed and I was on a horror movie kick um, and I was throwing my popcorn a lot, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, uh, I I get how it's groundbreaking in a lot of ways with regards to like, you know, found footage style yeah. horror films, but the the dynamic between the three, it's, you, you could argue that it's like the effect of the Blair Witch on their minds, making them all very, you know, antagonistic, but it's just, it's just these like spoiled kids bitching for an hour and... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really get into it until um, the, not the camera guy, but the guy that is like doing the project hmm. with her, like disappears. Uh, that's, that's when I got interested first. And that's like an hour in <laughs> and <laughs> when they're having the, like their third fight about like a compass, I just <laughs> I threw my popcorn. <laughs> I would have thrown my popcorn if I'd had any. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen that in a very long time, but I, I can tell you where so much of the power of that movie came from was like, it was right at the dawn of like what I would call 
uh, viral marketing and like the internet being tied in and the campaign for this movie. Like there was a genuine question amongst those of us like old enough to like be able to go see it. Um, but like not old enough to just like use some common sense for, for a few seconds was like, was this real? Right. Like, mm. and there, like there was a lot of conversation and it was marketed kind of that way. Right. Like it was very deadpan, like all the marketing about this being like the, the recovered footage. Right. And um, I recall specifically, there was a great uh, like mockumentary, like, which I know it usually implies like something that's kind of like, um funny but it wasn't funny where it was about several kind of ancillary things like surrounding like the Blair Witch and like this guy who was a murderer his name was like Rustin Parr or something and it was aired on um on TV like ahead of the release and it was like mm. to give background and so like I remember watching all this stuff and then going to see it and being like really freaked out because like again like we didn't know and then I'm pretty sure it was like at one of like the award ceremonies or something like that's where it like was put to bed for like the majority of like the American youth at that time where they had the principals like up there like, yes, this is not real. Like and they were, you know, doing like the little press junket. But I think that's where so much of the power for me. And then I remember like after like realizing that it wasn't in fact real, uh, it feeling a lot less scary and cool because then it was like, well, shit, you, you made this this way on purpose then like it couldn't do any better i know it's <laughs> low budget but um it, you know it lacks some of the impact i wonder with some time and distance how i would feel about it the final shot of the the corner like it does stick yeah. with you i feel like that yeah. still works but um you seem play with i oh, sorry. sorry i was just gonna say with that like final shot i had seen that on twitter a bunch especially people being like this is answering the question of like oh what's the scariest still in in film history and people like posting mm. that so like i knew i knew that but i just thought he was peeing in the corner until I <laughs> that's great <laughs> he very well could be i mean you know it's like not knowing what's going on there i could see that <laughs> so that's that that was my spoiler going into that <laughs> no so context spoiler though <laughs> I do. I think I, I'm with Chris on that because this was like, you know, what this was like back when we maybe used the internet for like hotmail. <laughs> I feel like internet was it was there, but it wasn't as prevalent as like it like today, where it's just everything's dissected before the film even or like is discussed and speculated about even before the film comes out. So I think back then it was easier to sort of to generate that kind of hype in the marketing and to have it have that effect. But yeah, I think I think if it came out today, it wouldn't have nearly as much of an impact as it did back then. And I do remember watching it and being creeped out by it just generally because I think the idea I think your imagination runs wild if you let it beyond like the goofiness of how the characters interact like you were saying may i think if you kind of like let your imagination run a little wild then like you know what you don't see and what you hear and being out in the woods and uh, maybe even like the atmosphere of how you watch the film depending on how loud you got it and if you're watching it in the dark i feel like that can you can you can manipulate it a bit to kind of freak yourself out a bit more um but I do also remember watching the sequel that came out and thinking, holy crap, this is terrible. <laughs> so, Book of Shadows, like, right? 
Yeah, where they're just like, yeah. we're not even doing found footage anymore. We're just going to make this like a mainstream kind of horror flick. And I thought, yeah, no. So, but yeah, I think the I, I definitely think the first one's really good in the sense that it, you know, for what it contributed to the found footage sort of um, style that has been duplicated for better or worse in several films since then. Yeah, I can definitely see this being like believably real in a pre like social media world yeah like you couldn't just google like is the blair witch like <laughs> first of all google wasn't even around like you know mm-hmm. but like it, it, i'm Jeeves. pretty sure yeah like in like yahoo search and aol search like but if you put it in usually like keywords are what you got and like mm-hmm. the keyword for this would just take you to the website which would have you know all the marketing materials which again played it very straight based of like hey like you know this is like a real thing that we're putting out there well i will find a time machine go back to the 90s and watch it again (laughs) (laughs) let you know (laughs) on cassette tape yep (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's how we did it yeah the other thing i remember before we move on is just people getting kind of ill in the um because of the camera work and stuff um, again, no one's really used to this style of filmmaking at the at that time. So there was like signs in the the cinema that said like, "Hey, some people get nauseous from the fact that you're watching essentially a home movie like on a on a giant screen." So a good pick. Thanks for sharing, and yeah, you may have inspired me to go back and, and take another look and see if, <laughs> uh, if I too will throw my popcorn. Um, well, on uh, on today's episode, as we said at the top of the show, it's Jason and the Argonauts, and it's just going to be the, the the May Power Hour, I think, here because this is May's film selection, and May is going to guide us through the discussion of all about, uh, I presume, the special effects in uh, Jason and the Argonauts. I almost said Clash of the Titans because that was said a lot earlier, <laughs> but I did it. Um, well, technically, I did. Anyway, May, take it away. <laughs> hey, okay. So we are talking about Jason and the Argonauts today, uh, directed by Don Chaffee, came out in 1963, as we already talked about, features the incredible special effects work of Ray Harryhausen. Um, I find it funny that on IMDb, uh, the writers list includes the screenwriters, as well as Apollonius Rodios, who wrote the original Greek text. <laughs> Giving credit words too, I like it. I, I just I just love that an ancient Greek poet has an IMDb page. <laughs> that is fabulous. Uh, but yeah, it uh, stars Todd Armstrong as Jason, Nancy Kovac as Medea, as well as a number of other classic Greek figures. We have Niall Aginis as Zeus. We have uh, Jack Gwillem as King Aetes. Honor Blackman as Hera, and of course, Nigel Green as Hercules. So I guess I want to ask about first impressions, and you can talk about just your first impressions of the film, or if you've learned about the legend of Jason and the Argonauts from other sources, and you want to talk about that too, that is also fair game. But I will turn it over to Will first, because he's laughing, and I think he has thoughts. Uh, it's mostly just because of my lack of knowledge of actual Greek mythology. Um, but I would say, generally speaking, I, I really like this film. I think it's very entertaining. Um, I think it's very approachable whether or not you're into like Greek mythology 
just generally speaking. Um, and I think that it felt very much from having seen other films around the, the same time frame, it feels very much like, I don't know, like, like the camera work and the filters and just sort of the, the acting of, I'm trying to think about how to phrase it. It's sort of just like the general acting of the characters that are in it. It feels very much like the sixties. And so uh, even like sort of like that transatlantic accent that is affected is, is there and sort of fun to poke fun at now, but um, I don't know. It just, it felt very, very well paced. The stop motion is amazing because I'm, I'm totally into that stuff too. Like, even if it was just models and stuff like back around that time, um, I, I would totally get into all of that. Um, but I think overall I was surprised. I didn't realize that they had originally wanted to do a sequel. And so they just kind of leave it hanging at the end like oh we're done and i thought okay was this just a stylistic choice because we're like we've already we've gone for like two hours and we got to cut it or um did they have it queued up for something else is there going to be like a jason uh you know expanded universe of films to come and and just to read about afterwards how that was originally the plan and i apologize there's some alarm going off in the background so if you pick up some surrounding noise <laughs> um uh but there, I, I feel like I was expecting sort of like a, a queue up to like a sequel. And then it was like, oh, we were thinking about doing it, but it didn't really pan out. And so it went back to like some of the other work that he was doing with Sinbad. Um, another film that I vaguely remember as a child. So that's on my list of things to go back and watch. But yeah, no, overall, I, I mean, I, I think films like this are really entertaining and enjoyable. How about you, Chris? This is... Re more recent for you or has it been a while for you with jason it's been a long long time for this one um no, i've never had anything against uh this one i really liked it you know um when i was younger but i tend to revisit seven voyages sinbad clash of the mm -hmm. titans and um yeah i would say those two were like the my two most common rewatches um and occasionally like 20 million miles to earth right 20 million whatever quantity of miles to earth <laughs> with Ymir. So many. Um yeah. Um but yeah I, I really enjoyed it. Uh there's a lot of cool stuff that I picked up on and was able to kind of appreciate more like this time around. I think really like the budget and the commitment to like shooting this in like very exotic locales mm -hmm. instead of on like a studio set for a lot of it was was awesome. It really gave that like adventure -y, feel like like you're on an adventure in an exotic place uh of course the special effects work i'm sure we'll talk about ad nauseum so i'm gonna hold on that but i uh, but it's fabulous <laughs> uh lots of cool uh creatures and creations uh the homoeroticism was something i obviously didn't pick up on probably as a young person <laughs> this movie is chock full of it man um wow. like i loved it like there was just a i was like some some coded things there for for uh you know people in the 60s and uh, I, I seem to remember that being like a thing with like some of the other like kind of brawny guy movies of this era as well. But um, I didn't have I meant to to do a little research around that. But um, but that was great. Um, yeah, just overall, it's fun. I that's my my main nitpick, honestly, is the ending um, it was just because like I had forgotten like in my mind, like there was going to be like a final confrontation when he got, I was like, shit, like how long is this thing? Like he's fighting the Hydra. And I feel like we're like really far into this. Like, and then 
it is very much a like to be continued. Just is like I'm not done with him yet. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll we'll pop back in a little bit and see what happened. And kind of a bummer that uh, we didn't get more of it. But um, so that's my one nitpick with it is that it does feel a little unsatisfying to like see the the fruits of the the journey, so to speak, like come to um you know um their logical conclusion and and see him like get his revenge presumably uh and i think that's about all i got i don't know a whole lot about this particular myth i do love greek mythology but this is a pretty big blind spot if i'm not mistaken i think there is one thing that stuck out and and doesn't medea like do something terrible with her kids down the road like or am i thinking <laughs> of a different person like doesn't she bake them into a pie or something okay so <laughs> And Will, I would love to know if you know more about why they didn't make further movies. But my theory is that um, the like Hollywood romance between Jason and Medea turned south very quickly. Um, yeah. As first of all, there's a lot more drama after this in the original myth between King Aetes and Jason and Medea. He like chases after them and tries to get the fleece back and. Um, there's a lot of bargaining going on and, and trade deals and stuff trying to work things out and it gets a bit dry. But even further down the line, um, basically Jason and Medea marry as part of one of those deals to keep Medea from being sacrificed. And they have kids. And then Jason uh, falls in love with another woman, says, we weren't actually married. That wasn't real. And leaves her. Uh, and Classic. Medea, I, I can't remember if there was other contributing factors, but she does kill her children yeah yeah yep. so um not the hollywood romance that most people want to glorify <laughs> no, certainly not in the hollywood code era like none of that would fly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's my theory on why they didn't continue sound sound theory I, yeah I, i'd totally buy that just imagine some executive being like all right so uh, I only got as far into the story as we needed for this film. <laughs> What's next on the agenda? And then somebody just pitching it like elevator pitch style. And it'd be like, oh, oh no. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that movie, but no, we can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> just a brutal mm. episode of Pitch Storm, basically. Um, nice. <laughs> But yeah, so that's what happens later with Jason and Medea. And there are some other exceptions to the original myth. Um, since neither of you are super well versed in it, I'll just say there's a lot more that happens between um, where they're starting out and uh, the scenes with King Aetes. They have a lot more just various trials and stuff. Lots, you know, some, some weird, more weird gender politics. Gender politics are already strange in this. Um, but uh, yeah, in the original myth, it's like they go to an island of all women and uh, the guys just get very distracted for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Hercules line was like an allusion to that, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, Jason's like, much more if... of a womanizer in the original text, for sure. Oh, all oh, those Greek. Yeah. That's like Odysseus. Like, no. yeah. yeah, Odysseus for sure. Like, mm. well, he's gone 20 years. I feel like that's not what 15 of them. It's just like him <laughs> chasing like like women or you know, being seduced or something. Like so that's a big change. Um, the other major changes, uh the the way the 
Greek pantheon oh. is yep. <laughs> there, yeah. Uh, never mind that sound. Uh, the way the Greek <laughs> pantheon for, is portrayed, as well as just like kind of like Greek religion in general, has been somewhat like Christianized. Um, mm. Zeus is kind of uh, more of an Abrahamic god stand-in than anything else, especially in the way he bosses Hera around. That's not really realistic. Um, Hera actually usually. Zeus definitely slept with more mortals, but Hera usually was the one fucking with them <laughs> in the yeah. metaphorical sense. Yes. Um, so, like, the Pantheon is painted as much more patriarchal than it actually is, and um, there's no concept of sin, really. At least not, like, Christian sin. But uh, when they meet the blind prophet, he's like, oh, I sinned too much, but I didn't sin every day, so can't I get a break? <laughs> <laughs> which is a hilarious line but also not how that really worked it was more like if you did something that was specifically blasphemous to an individual god they were very petty and would smite you somehow or curse you somehow there was a lot more happened. of a direct thread but like in the portrayal of the gods in this and clash of the titans like they're like it looks like depictions of heaven like the christian heaven way everyone's dressed and everything how they interact and kind of look down the little figurines um mm. that was kind of cool to see that like they were you know better or worse like kept that uh even though the movies aren't really like related other than harry Housen being the special effects guy and they're being greek myths but um i did think that was neat and something i totally didn't remember at all like about my previous watch of it was it the same uh, act like cast for the gods or? No, way cooler casts in Clash of the Titans. You got Lawrence Olivier as Zeus. You got the Dame Maggie mm. Smith as uh, I don't think she's Hera. She plays a different goddess, but um, now completely different cast though. Uh, and they also do this like very eighties things where there's just like these like green lasers behind zeus's like head like it's the most 80s thing ever oh something. i love that <laughs> yeah i like that way better than the weird cloud golden sparkle effect yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but i digress um yeah any other general thoughts on the storyline before we get to the special effects only that kind of off of the odysseus route i kept expecting there to be like during the introduction and you see some of the the imagery that is up on the screen while they're doing the credits i was sort of thinking okay so what are we going to see and what order of events are going to happen as they're on their quest and then having remembered loosely other films about odysseus and the odyssey i sort of thought all right so how many guys are going to make it out and how many are not going to make it and how brutal is it going to get each time and who like which god's going to get chapped off so it was sort of it was less um violent than i expected in some respects i mean i didn't expect like a bunch of blood and gore for the time frame and even with clash of the titans i don't remember there being very much except for like some of the like the um the claymation and all of that and and the violence that those creatures went through but um yeah, I, it was just sort of fun to kind of like guess like what's going to happen and who's going to get who's going to bite it and or maybe not and how they're going to turn out at the end. And so, yeah, I think that was even though it was not always accurate, it was fun to kind of play that game watching this. Yeah. Did you guys have a favorite stop motion scene slash figure? It's the one behind Will. Um, yeah. Talos. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what really sells it for me, I think, um, you know, um, beyond just being a really great suspenseful sequence is that attention to detail that you talked about. Like it looks so good. Like the age mm-hmm. bronze and the creaks as he moves, you know, just uh, everything about the design of that is so incredibly fucking cool and just a labor of love. But uh, the sequence itself is is great because um, like you realize, like, I know <laughs> we're watching it because uh, Marianne hadn't seen it. Uh, it looks like they're going to get away at one point and she's like well damn he could have thrown his sword or like something like but they're just and I was like oh he's not done and he's like you see how massive he really is because he walks around it's just like a quick little jog around the coast and then like he's just there like standing and posing over the ship and um, yeah I think it's just it's a wonderful sequence and, and just design in general like it's amongst his very best in my opinion. Um, because of that attention to detail and how it's used uh, within like the the, the film itself yeah when he turns his head yeah like his like the slow head turn when you know you can guess from us like sitting back and having watched so much you you know like you expect it but like for back then i bet that was awesome just the reaction of everybody when you see that head turn um i gotta say the skeletons were amazing like that whole fight scene was how it was choreographed and just the way that they made it look like those swords were connecting and i think that was the best to me hands down i think that was the best um example of his work in that film and just how quick the movements are i mean at first the skeletons do the slow walk you know and it's (laughs) sort of building up to it you're like okay so maybe if you guys just move a little bit faster you'll be all right and then suddenly they just like you know scream and charge and i'm like all right here we go and yeah that that whole sequence was awesome that scream is brilliant too i love like how like kooky it is i don't know how else to explain it but Mm -hmm. it's i feel like you know it's something you would hear at a cartoon and i think that's what makes it so awesome but yeah I have to ask, but that like really slow, synchronized, like advance and retreat they have at the start. Do mm-hmm. do you think that uh, <laughs> Troll Two stole that? <laughs> stole that. <laughs> and the family's like slowly retreating. Hey, steal from the best, baby. Yeah, that's right. They filmed in Italy, right? So I'm sure the director of Troll Two watched <laughs> this when he was growing up, but it was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. I'm sure this is where Sam Raimi got all of his stuff too, like for Evil Dead. Uh, oh, sure. most definitely. And yeah, down yeah. for sure. Yeah. Army of so. Darkness, you see a lot of like the, there's like probably the most stop motion out of all those original movies. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I just wish that Troll 2 had used some stop motion. That would have helped <laughs> instead of those masks. Imagine how bad it would have been though. It's just I mean, Play-Doh. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh. Oh. Um, I'm gonna have to agree with Will. I think the skeletons are my favorite stop motion, especially as a kid. Like Talos is cool, but when the skeletons came on, I was just like, my jaw dropped. I was actually like a little intimidated by them. It was awesome. Um, the choreography, I think, is what sells it too. Mm-hmm. Um, although there is one part of it which like oh, always annoys me when we get to there, uh, where um, one of it's the second of Jason's companions to get killed by the skeletons. 
Mm. And there's a point at which you can see this the sword clearly go beside him. Oh. <laughs> it like very obviously misses him and he's like, oh <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know exactly the shot you're talking about. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little peppy. But otherwise it's a fantastic scene. Uh really masterful how they put it together, even with some small errors. I do have to give a shout out to the harpies, though, mm. just because they are also very detailed. I think they're poorly lit, unfortunately, but they're very detailed. And um, I just think it's fantastic that they behave just like demonic crows, essentially. You can just shoo them away from your picnic. <laughs> yeah, those things are annoying little bastards. But like surprisingly harmless for something that looks like a literal demon. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're just causing a little mischief that's all yeah i realized yeah. how much of an influence this probably had on one of my favorite video games which is dark souls like the skeletons mm-hmm. you've got the hydra which is in two sections of the game it's a little bit bigger um but there's a talos like boss fight called the iron golem like so as i was watching it i was like dude i bet you um miyazaki is the the director um i bet you he's a huge harryhausen fan so i should probably confirm that but did you guys have a least favorite stop motion scene or something that also kind of irked you like i said about Mm. the skeleton choreography um it's not really a stop motion scene per se but the uh the cliff sequence i feel like goes on way longer than it needs to like especially that first ship that's like sinking ahead of them it cuts mm. back like seven or eight times to like the same shot of like the stern just like still going down. And I was like, yeah, we get it, man. Like it's like the, the boats, it's sunk. Like let's, let's move it along. Um, <laughs> it is cool that he's got like a little pocket, you know, God, like whatever, like the Japanese word for like Pokemon with gods would be like, and he's just like, Poseidon, I summon you. And just like, <laughs> he's, he's holding up the walls. But yeah, I feel like that whole sequence really dragged like way longer than it needed to. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I did like that effect, though, I will say. And it was a cool shot of having this ginormous person. And I think of the shots that had different sizes of people in them, it looked the best. I don't think there's anything. I probably have to agree with that. The um, I both like and kind of nitpicked the Hydra fight scene because to some extent, it sort of felt the same way where I was impressed, A, with how they integrated it to make it look like it. Um, who is it the guy who was with him who's like the backstabber is that a castus is that mm-hmm. yeah so when a castus gets you know basically gets killed sort of <laughs> he seemed like he wasn't completely dead yet um so while he's like <laughs> mortally wounded i guess from the hydra i like how it sort of did the it, it they do the little the quick cuts to make it look like it's him being held by the hydra even though he's also part of the the stop motion at that point they made a little mini version of him um so i think i like that lighting and that sort of setup and then when jason's fighting the hydra i thought that was really cool but at the same point i sort of thought he doesn't seem to have much of a weakness against it when it wraps around him and it's like it won't bite him at that point it just tries to like choke him or crush him and i thought i i don't know that to me sort of felt a little anticlimactic but again that's I temper that criticism with the fact that this is, you know, 
so many years of special effects in the future looking back at that and so i i i have to rescind my criticism at the same time because i'm like when this came out i'm sure that was like amazing and everybody just thought like oh man he's not gonna make it um maybe to a little extent the same sort of criticism against um Talos when he just like pops the cork on his ankle and then all that blood just starts like rushing out I'm like dude man could have just like stepped on you but nope (laughs) I can't I can't move my foot he's messing with it with the lego piece that's stuck to the back of my heel so (laughs) that's uh that to me just sort of stood out but again that's like minor nitpicky you know in the grand scheme of things so nah I, I don't know. I've talked myself out of both of them. I'm being very indecisive. <laughs> I just, I really liked it. I thought it was cool. But at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, for the sake of plot, you can only do too much. I'd have to agree with you, though, on both of them, actually. So don't fully talk okay. yourself out of it. Nah, yeah. Uh, Sweet. All right. I, All right. I was kind of annoyed by those. I will add one that is also not a stop motion sequence, uh, which is when uh, they just like randomly shoot uh, Medea in the back to like prove that the, the oh. works. <laughs> That she's the one person who gets hit. You're like, yeah. there's all these other dudes. Yeah. But nope. <laughs> and it was just to shoot her. And then <laughs> nope. it was so pointless. They do idea dirty in a lot of ways in this film. She actually, in the original myth, is like the only reason Jason gets anything done, not just because she like happens to be able to unlock the jail or whatever. They're not actually imprisoned in the original. Uh, he has to do like he has to go through these different trials and she uses her magic powers to ensure he wins those trials and like plays a much larger role in actually getting the police. And she's definitely painted as more of a damsel in this one than she actually is. This reminded me about how unbelievably stupid Jason is uh, in this movie where <laughs> like Hera's like, uh, yeah, his ankle. And he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and I need to use that clue. Like, you need to give me a little more. It's like you haven't even looked at it, like, dude. Like, just just go take take a peek at it, and I'm pretty sure you could figure that out. But and he's just like, that's not specific enough. And it's like, what? are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, it should be noted that lines. in the original, um, Medea does not actually fall in love with him organically. She is shot by Cupid because the gods want, oh. <laughs> want them together. That wow. makes more sense to me because yeah. I felt like she like instant like like instantaneously was like all right <laughs> why do you care what about this dude who's gonna like steal your country's like most prized possession right uh, it's it's all Cupid's fault <laughs> bastard <laughs> uh, but yeah talking about the the actual like live characters do you guys have a favorite human in the film? hercules for me for sure yeah i love the bravado and uh he kind of reminds me a lot of like Tormund from game of thrones you know the the guy with the big beard it's like uh, is the big woman still here like uh <laughs> like that kind of archetypical or you know brawny idiot but like lovable like type um which is what he was as well like you know he's boastful but when he's beaten, he's a good sport about it. And uh yeah, well, that's probably my favorite supporting cast member. I thought if I'm being honest, I found Jason to be kind of bland all around, like <laughs> as like an actor and a character in the film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is true. 
Although, as so just sort of off the Hercules thing, I do think it's interesting, uh, like comparing what was like strong, like physique wise, like what people thought of when they thought of really strong men. And he was very boxy, you know, versus like today where it's like you got to be like ripped muscles and look like the rock, you know, back yeah. then, it, or like have like super abs, like everybody, like 300, even when 300 was like a big deal. And then that whole, like, I guess mentality of what men's health was supposed to be but for like the 60s it was like you're just boxy you know you're just tall and boxy and you might have some guns to work with for your shoulders but there yeah, were some shredded was... fellows in the little hot boy summer montage that they did of like the the cast like <laughs> like there were some really shredded guys but like they weren't like seen as like the strongest oddly enough where i'm like no he's in better shape like he's in better yeah. shape <laughs> <laughs> but clearly hercules is here and must join our our, our squad <laughs> yeah, just give him a beard and he's got a lot of like arm hair and shit <laughs> like that must be manly um, <laughs> i do like how he sort of just exited too i know i'm not answering your question yet may but i like how he just sort of pieced out where you're like nope he's got other adventures to go on so nope he's gone all right cool which actually is accurate oh, yeah. okay. of all the things you're like yeah <laughs> He's upset nice. about Hylius and leaves. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Poor guy. But no, that's that's a great point. Well, and actually to go, go off of that briefly, uh the I laughed when I saw um like like most people are in these like fairly simple robe outfits without any really structure to them. You see Medea mm-hmm. in her like dancing costume and she has just an obvious corset and like hip pads mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah, like, come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the the shifting like strength standards are interesting too, especially since like that's honestly the Hercules build is more accurate to your modern like strength oriented Olympian and what they would actually mm. look like. All right, I still got to come up with a name, uh, a character that a, a live action character that was my favorite you could just reject the premise of my question and say talos again too that's also valid i could or a skeleton (laughs) (laughs) you have to say which skeleton though you have to be very specific uh the first one that popped out of the ground um (laughs) uh, the one that lost his head he was good i thought he gave a lot of uh a lot of interesting uh character development um (laughs) i think just for the sake of the fact that i didn't understand necessarily why he was there but i'm gonna go with argos like, I know he was the one who built the boat, so he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's named after him. They're, you know, they're Argonauts. Um, but I was sort of surprised by why he came with them. So is there, like, in 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 the actual mythology, is there, like, a specific reason? Or was this just, like, I don't know. I sort of found it strange that he would join the crew when they were looking for, like, really... And this is no offense to him and his physique um, and his lack of clothes, but he didn't seem <laughs> to be the one that I would have imagine with a spear and a sword going into battle yeah i don't know if he actually went on it okay i was i just googled to see if i could find a quick answer and i can't so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's accurate um it is interesting that uh it wasn't just hera involved in like this journey athena and i think even aphrodite actually were all trying to help them Oh, and okay. so like the whole masthead thing with Hera is kind of funny because Athena's the one that actually is helping with the ship. Ah, uh, 
Gotcha. Also kind so of cursed. Kind of I, I, I've changed my answer. My least favorite special effect is the hair mask. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes. Scary. Yeah, <laughs> Why is Jason just standing over there like the guy in Blair Witch, you know, next to the, you know, the, the masthead? He's not moving. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I would fucking, I, I would have like pieced off. I would have yeeted myself off the ship if I saw that big giant baby head come to life and be like. Yeah. <laughs> Start hearing voices in your head. <laughs> like some lady's <laughs> talking to you. Like, clearly I have not had enough water. The sea is making me <laughs> sick. Um Speaking of which, great medical solution. Just pour some brine on there. Yeah, I was like, is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure that'll make it worse, right? (laughs) I'm no scientist, but uh, pretty sure it's salt. Mm, Not what you want. On blisters? No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I just liked him because he was so... I I think of all things, he, he just... I don't know. He just treated everything like, oh, this is just how we're going to do it. And then he starts yelling orders like really loudly for no reason. <laughs> like, I feel like he would give their position away so bad if it was in real life. Like, he's just yelling things. And then they, he runs out to find Jason at the end where they think that they hear the other, you know, uh, the other folks coming to attack him. And I thought, yeah, he is not subtle. I don't know why, but he is so just goofy. And yet, you know what? He made the boat. So got to give credit where credit's due. Now, he repaired the boat, apparently, because that boat got, you know, its ass kicked. Maybe that's why they brought him along. It's for on the on fly repairs. Yeah. Right. Plot device. Like how when this boat gets destroyed, how are they going to fix it really well? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Exactly. I think that's a great answer. Um, I'm going to pick two. Uh, one is a human and one is a god, so that's how I'm justifying it. Uh, okay, all right, all right. Uh, Medea, because again, I think she's rewritten poorly, but she is still pretty cool and like very practical and and um faithful, <laughs> <laughs> despite there being no reason for her to be. <laughs> um. But I, I I think that like real winner for me is Hermes because mm-hmm. that guy is just the chillest of the gods. He knows he has to do the whole messenger shtick and he does that. But he clearly does not like the guy whose court he has to like sit in and advise. Um, and I don't think he like cares too much about the gods either. He doesn't have an ego like they do when... Um, Jason like challenges the god's existence. He's just kind of like, huh, that's interesting. Can I show you something? <laughs> He's got a sweet helmet too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So for uh shout out to Hermes for being the least shitty god. <laughs> it occurred to me that uh one of my favorite like gods in actual Greek mythology is like severely underrepresented, I feel like, in almost all films and that's apollo like you just don't see apollo like much in any of the like depictions and i wonder why that is like apollo is awesome he's literally like the sun or well he drives the sun around but just yeah the chariot right yeah (laughs) so overall it it's not very loyal to greek mythology but i do think jason and the argonauts is like a very accessible kind of intro to the story Especially if you are coming from like 
being used to like Christian religion and not a Greek pantheon. Because like I said, there are these weird Christian inserts. Like also the question of believing in a God. The the gods don't really care, I think, as long as you don't like insult them. Like it's not a <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's it's a bit it's weirdly Christianized to me. But yeah. uh otherwise I think it is a, a pretty good adaptation. How would you guys rate it as an adaptation? I'd say it's a solid, solid seven out of ten. You know, just for like condensing what it needed to condense for the sake of the plot and for trying to keep it within the confines of, you know, stay relatively faithful, I guess, but like trimming a lot just for the sake of the story to keep it like self-contained. Would have been nice to see what the sequel would have been like if they'd actually been able to do that. How faithful the sequel would have been to the rest of the story. Yeah, I think Somebody should make the sequel with like stop motion special effects, but like, yes. really, really like gory and like are like R rated though, but like with the the same stop motion special effects oh, for continuity's sake. Yes, I'm yeah. here for it. Let's get some boobs, some dong, you know, some, some blood <laughs> and guts, like all for it. <laughs> I do know that. So what I was scrolling through, because I was like, surely somebody's redone it because they've redone Clash of the Titans. So I'm like, surely somebody's redone Jason and the Argonauts. And they did back in like the uh-huh. early 2000s, I think. Uh, so really? I'm curious to see. Yeah, and it's like a three hour long movie. Damn. So I'm curious Who's to it? see if that was more... Um, faithful let me see real quick yeah i'm curious now early 2000s probably like the rock or some shit like Uh, it was before him um this was more like kind of b-movie style i feel like oh okay sci-fi original or something (laughs) yeah well so it's got dennis hopper so you know he's done he's he's done kind of the, the the range from b to a um but I don't know, like f- folks that I've seen pop up in things before. So like Angus McFadden, who was in Braveheart or Derek Jacoby, who's been in like, uh, I'm trying to think the most recent. So Gladiator, probably for mm-hmm. comparison's sake of that sort of nature. Um, but other things too, like he was in Underworld. So he's in with vampires and he's done other, you know, interesting, <laughs> maybe not necessarily, you know, I will say more B-movie stuff for that sake. Um uh but like kieran hines who's been in a lot of um like roman or uh greek mythology stuff jolene blaylock who for anybody who's watched star trek that was she was in enterprise back in the 2000s um trying to see who else we've got here so yeah i mean overall i mean it's probably like a decent cast um i don't know about the quality of the film but i would be intrigued to watch it um but I hesitate as well because it might not be that great. And it's three hours. <laughs> it's three hours long. But you know what? I and I'm gonna talk myself out of it again because Armand Asante was Odysseus in like the made for TV version of the Odyssey, and Lord knows how long that was. So you I know loved what? that as a kid, though. I, I know. Like, I, I really enjoyed that, but yeah. So I have flip-flopped about three times on Jason, and maybe based on this preview trailer. It, You've got it to report looks like back to us. Yeah, it might be my assignment. <laughs> I've signed myself up for. But... There you go. I'd but be. I, I would hope they would do like more of the myth if it's three hours. If it's just this elongated, yeah. that's not going to be. <laughs> yeah no. Yeah no. So, more ground. Yeah. 
But I agree with Chris. I think they should remake this or have like a sequel to it rather um, and try to be as authentic to like the original, but then just like take it to the extreme at the same time. Like faithful in the sense of the style. Like it feels like you're in the same world. Listen, they're cannibalizing every other like IP and nostalgia thing. Like stop motion's ripe for like like to Mm -hmm. do a project specifically to you know use whatever technological advances like that are like fair game for stop motion but like to to do that like in like an adventure style movie oh absolutely it's like you said with mad god get phil tippett back man come on let's do it you did some yeah. weird shit i we've got a place <laughs> for that now <laughs> yeah with his imagination i'm sure he could come up with some pretty cool designs for some unused portions of that myth i don't really know what lies ahead in terms of like creatures but Oh, I think lots, we've... lots of weird things. Also, oh, like, yeah. it's definitely a, like, um, I don't have too much of a problem with, like, Greek myth adaptations, like, doing different stuff with it. But, sure. like, it should be creative because even um, Ap- Apollonius, I think, was the guy that wrote this down, like, in the o- official version. But he got it from earlier Greek versions that were passed down through oral traditions, uh, yeah. as well as, like, stuff that came from Homer who got it from earlier stuff. So it's a story that has been like built upon and glorified and have lots of weird things added to it over hundreds, thousands of years. So we should keep doing that, but not to like make it more Hollywood (laughs) to go in the weirder direction. (laughs) Get real weird with it. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I had (laughs) for Jason. I think it's it's perfect. Um, we're at uh, like right at fifty eight minutes, so it's a good good stopping point. Again, we'll, we'll cut around this back chat stuff, but like, no, I think that's good. Like, there's really nothing else I wanted to to add. I I love this movie. I thought it was a uh, this good stroll down memory lane, and uh, holds up remarkably well. Yeah. Well, thank you for indulging my nerdy instincts. Oh, anytime Dude, when it comes was... to housing. <laughs> yeah this was a pleasure trust me like i want to go back and watch all the sinbad movies after watching this because it looks like more of the same and i was watching a video talking about dynamation and some of the other stuff that he's done and was there like a oh my gosh what was the name of the film they had a ufo that flew in and like hits uh the capitol building or something and it's like attack of the flying saucers or you i don't know i'll have to find the name of it but i was like this looks <laughs> this whole thing man was awesome so i i do know what you're talking about because i was reading about his films and that like screenshot grabbed my attention <laughs> yeah there's a really good documentary about harry Housen called i think it's like the films of harry Housen or life of harry Housen that came out in the I don't know, like mid early aughts, something somewhere around there. And it's got a lot of really great um, people like uh, Spielberg and Del Toro and you know, all these filmmakers that were influenced by him. And and uh, I, if, I'm th- if it's a documentary I'm thinking about, they actually get to go to his home at one point and his family has like all of his models and stuff sort of boxed up and his old kilns where he would like bake this and like we talk about the process and there's all these great photos and you can kind of see and uh i was so sad that when we were in scotland we missed it by one week they had a harry Housen exhibition at the the oh, scottish man. national museum with like all like original 
um figures you know like the actual ones that they filmed um and uh would have been a, a real thrill so I, i've been keeping my eye out to see if it pops up anywhere else because it was on loan from the harry house and um foundation but that would be cool see this stuff nice. up close if it's the Ray Harryhausen special effects Titan documentary that came it out in right. 2011, that's that is awesome. And if the film is the same one I'm thinking of, I think it was Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Saucers. So yep. I've got a we, lot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think we have maybe some screen quest launch parties in our future. <laughs> hey, I guess that always oh. down. I yelp. Yeah, Clash of the Titans, man. And then maybe not the sequel or not the remake. <laughs> Unless you want that's a throw your popcorn moment after having watched the original. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. The Sam, what's his name? Worthington. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, they oh, and they like ah, oh, I won't go into details. But yeah, like it had it had potential. And then I feel like it turned into a CGI just spectacle for no reason. But, oh well, and they got rid of the best part of the original, which was Bubo. So, oh, the yeah. mechanic owl. Yeah, yeah, Bubo's the best. I looked up uh, to see how much these figures were going for and what some of the neat ones. And Talos on the the website had like the deluxe version comes with him with the ship like in his like hand, and like his feet are like on two like rocks, um, straddling. Which is, uh, I'm I'm tempted. Maybe when we get back from Japan. Like that's I I'm not a sucker for collecting much, but um I've really gotten to like some of these um Harryhausen figurines, but gotta install more shelves, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> IKEA man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So before we wrap up, um, I think we need to go back to a comment that you made, Chris, which was about some of the um, homoerotic sorts of uh points that were how could depicted. i forget yes yeah i would i would very much like to discuss this i feel like this is relevant so. <laughs> yeah i don't know i again i meant to do a lot more like academic research to see like how much this has been discussed again vaguely i do remember um i think we co covered it in dr august class um a lot of these like films were sort of coded like a certain way for people of that community like and were admired like again i think they even have a joke in a line in uh rocky horror picture show about going to see an old steve reeves movie he famously played hercules and like um you know some some movies that i think were italian producer italian made but um yeah i mean like you could like there's obviously like I guess for people that don't know what homoeroticism is, it doesn't necessarily mean like homosexual. It's sort of like a, it skirts the line a little bit, right? There's like some uh, relationships with with men and the male body is sort of objectified, which again, like that, that montage was, I was like, whoa, man, like, you know, this is, uh, this is very wow. much um, some of the relationships and stuff like on the, the ship, um, I know like in the actual Greek myths and like in like Greek and Roman culture, like there wasn't a stigma at all with like, you know, male on male relationships. I think it was often seen as like sort of like an honorable thing, especially between like su superiors and subordinates, like in the military. But that's all I got. I wish I had done more research, but it did stick out to me as being something that was um, very obvious um, in a way that it wasn't when I was a child or I was like, yeah, 
the other thing I have to add, I think, is the the Hercules Hylas relationship. Yeah, I've mm. not read the original, like you know, freshly translated from Greek story of the Argonauts, but from what I've learned in the summaries, like they're like heavily implied, if not absolutely stated, to like be in a relationship, and that, like you said, is common between older and younger men in Greece. Now I feel really bad that he got like crushed by Talos. I'm like, no. That's why Hercules took it so hard. Yeah, yeah, he had to to go into mourning. (laughs) Yeah, that was a thirty popcorn movie. Your spear. I'm like, (laughs) like the (laughs) twenty other spears that are probably on the damn boat. Like, was it a special spear? Did I back? (laughs) (laughs) I missed something clearly, but yeah, it's like Um... such a sweet little gesture too, and then you just get. All right. Well, Somebody how... not mentioned to. Uh, I'm sorry. I I just wanted to throw it out there too. Like, did no one tell Jason that the rule is like six inches above the knee for what you can wear? Like anything else is a little oh, too high, yeah. my man. <laughs> like, uh, uh... be careful when you like move around. <laughs> yeah, no, you certainly want to be if you're if you're going to be praying at all. You got to <laughs> very delicate movements. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, sorry. I just had to throw that in there. I just that was the one thing that I I thought was pretty funny. My wife actually pointed it out. Sorry, there is now a plane flying overhead. I feel like you, if there's a foley artist, they can do some stuff about what goes on in the background when we try to record every time. But <laughs> um, but yeah, my wife was talk was she noticed that? I thought that was funny. It's like, damn, that's that's really high up there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, those outfits in general are all pretty golden for a variety of reasons. And speaking of like the male gaze and the objectification of the male body, I love Argos's like, <laughs> like where he's just like in repose in the back of the ship, like no yeah. shirt on. I was like, yep. get it, man! I love it. <laughs> he's out there catching some rays. Um, love it. Okay, I promise that's that's all I got. But are you sure? I don't want to deprive you. No. <laughs> well, no. I'm sure. Yeah, I wish I was better informed about it. I really did mean to read some articles and and kind of dig in a little bit more because I'm rusty on, you know, um, homoeroticism in '60s films. Again, in August class, I'm sure like we were probably both experts at some point on a lot of that, but it's that's 20 years ago, so just about we're old. We are. <laughs> Well, let's clear our brains and and cleanse our palates with a little bit of six degrees of Kevin Bacon, shall we? Let's do it. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to generate two random actors using bestrandoms.com, which sounds like a dating website, but it's not. Um, And I I will. Is this where you're learning about homoeroticism, Chris? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Give him a couple of days and then we'll talk. (laughs) But yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll see like um, which, uh, which pairing we get. And um. I'll, I'll try. Oh, yeah. yeah, I may have to do it a couple times to, to to make it fair. Like, but um, yeah, let's see, let's see what we get here. All right, I don't know who that is, so that is gonna be a nope. I feel like everything that you're saying, Chris, ah! is just going feeding into what May's been talking about. <laughs> um, I don't know much. Are of you that swiping guy's... left, Chris? <laughs> you're like, I don't know this one. Promise, yeah. I promise. It might take a couple times to get it right. <sighs> okay. Um, I think we could do this. So we have Richard Harris, 
<laughs> who famously played Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies, if you like to kind of clue it in, but he was also in a ton of stuff. Um, and then we have Donald Sutherland. Um, so uh, Donald Sutherland, I don't know, like think Animal House and like the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake and what backdraft, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I think Harry Potter and Hunger Games are going to be our, our best two like po- starting points for those because those are like oh, ensemble like so Donald Sutherland was in Hunger Games he was like the I don't know like the dictator speller mm-hmm. I've only seen the first one of those <laughs> um, and Richard Harris was Dumbledore so those are ensemble casts usually a good place to, to uh, start so let's see if we can link them Um, I'm going to say Basically, anyone else in the Harry Potter cast linked to Robert Pattinson is probably a good jump. Dude, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's in the fourth one, so he wouldn't have been mm-hmm. in there with, I, I forgot his name already, Dumbledore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dumbledore. Richard Harris. Yep. Yeah, but you could say anyone, um, Daniel Radcliffe yep. between them. I think that's yeah. good. I, I, I do like that. Yeah. So we'll just yeah. say Richard Harris, Daniel Radcliffe. John, or not John. <laughs> um, I don't know why. Like I, I almost called him John Pattinson, but Robert Pattinson. Um, who else is in the Hunger Games? So we have like Woody Harrelson, right? Is like a yes. Stanley Tucci, Jennifer Lawrence. Was uh, Robert Pattinson like in movies with any of those people that you know of? I feel like a Hemsworth might be a good lead from. Yeah, yeah. Hunger Games. Ooh. I'm just like I'm competitive. I want to see if like we can find <laughs> like, like, the, like the just least. jump right. Yeah, yeah. I just trying to think if all right. So like, mm. Pattinson movies. I was gonna say the Batman. So Zoe. Yep, and yeah. Colin Farrell. Yeah, he, that's what I was thinking. It was like Twilight Colin movies, man. Be like, oh, mm. um, yeah, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Is there a Hemsworth in one of those? Uh, I bad it. Feels about like there should yet. be, right? <laughs> it sounds like a Hemsworth like vehicle if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> um I don't think so. Okay. I also never saw them. So I know I seem like yeah, someone same. who would have, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I not necessarily. I don't know. Like I know that I know they're like they're they're fun to pick on, but um yeah, I don't know. Just it it missed me. Unfortunately, that craze was here and gone before I could even like get remotely curious about it. Mm. So to throw another option out there, but not to confuse us. So Robert Pattinson was also in Tenet, which had John David Washington and also mm. had Kenneth Branagh. Do you think that either one of those dudes? <laughs> Kenneth Branagh was in Harry Potter, uh, the second one. That so, is true. Yeah. So that to further confuse it. I know. You're like, hey. I don't know if I don't know if the Branow maneuver yeah. is gonna work or not. <laughs> the Branow maneuver. Yeah. We're gonna have to make that a thing. I don't know what it would be for. But. I feel like Stanley Tucci and like Pattison. Like, ah. like or Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. Oh, um No, that's that's the wrong guy. I was gonna well, so okay. So I know Woody Harrelson's in Zombieland with who's the the geeky guy, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, yeah, and he is in 
Twilight with Kristen's uh or sorry, he's in um Adventureland with Kristen Stewart, who's in Twilight with Pattinson. So that is a connection formed there. Oh, okay, there you go. But um how many, how many is steps that? is that? Yeah. <laughs> so we do it in six. Okay. So, so Harris uh, to Radcliffe. Harris to... Radcliffe to Pattinson. Uh, Pattinson to Stewart. Stewart to Eisenberg. Uh, Eisenberg to Harrelson and then Harrelson to um who was our, our our final person? Oh, uh Sutherland. So yeah. that's six. That's, exactly that's not six. the cleanest. Yeah, that's uh, not the cleanest, but we got still there. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Made it. That's, that's a like, tough that's one. a record compared to what we did the last time. So right? yeah. <laughs> that's a very I'm tough one. Ahead. All right, yeah. All right. For funsies, I might see if I can brainstorm and I'll throw it in our little our uh, messenger chat if I can do better. But hey, I we mean, did it we, in six. we could keep going and just say, nah, that's true. And just cut it and just be like, this was just extra, yeah, instantaneous, yeah. <laughs> Make this a, a YouTube short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, some of the actors that were pulling up, I'm like, I have no idea who that was. So I hit that generate button a couple times because I was like. Good. Uh, and then there was another one who, like, the guy that was the janitor in um, Contagion that we just watched that has the son. And I was like, oh, I yeah. know him from, from that movie in Deadwood, but nothing else. I was like, well, like, we could use that because, like, Contagion is an ensemble movie. But um, I feel like that would have been kind of hard mode a little bit. But yeah, we got to work right. our way up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's We're like a novice. muscle, right? You got to work it out. <laughs> I was trying to think of a No Country for Old Men connection. Oh. There is a great version of this, by the way. If you like your daily puzzle games, there is a, a one that um, somebody at Keg showed me where you literally can can do this. Like it uses INTB as sort of the backbone of it, um, and like it, it's nice because it shows you who's in movies as you pick the movie, so you can kind of navigate it. It gives you a little help, in other words, like you don't have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of like the cast, and you can try to like the goal is like. To make the connection, but to try to do it in the least amount of moves as possible, right? Which is the hard mode that I was trying to do for us. So um I'll, I'll look it up and I'll put it in the like somewhere over there. Yeah, we'll stick it right over there. Um, so our audience members can uh play along. It's a really good daily. I don't do it every day, but um it is a good little daily thing to kill some time on occasion. It's your daily meditation. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know me, I love movies, so Yep, that and framed, framed.wtf, which is like the screenshot one. <laughs> Love doing that. All right. Well, hey, let's figure out what we're watching next week, shall we? Yes, please. Um, oops, I almost didn't switch to our um our other view. And then I would have been accused of cheating for sure after May has planted that conspiracy theory with everybody <laughs> last episode. Hey, as far as conspiracy theories go, at least it's harmless to everyone but you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all the hate mail that i'm getting that's like oh we have we have like 10 new suggestions for uh the google forms it's like get fucked chris cheater <laughs> they're all from me no, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right <laughs> ah so we have the role of a lifetime and i have to zoom way in because like this has a red background the numbers back and it is, I believe, going to be a May pick based <laughs> on the number. But hold, please. It is. And 
Um, I'm really excited. I haven't seen this in ages. And Marianne's been dying to watch it. American Psycho. So Christian Bale in American Psycho is going to be our next film, the next category, uh, role of a lifetime. So it's a it's a category designed to pick a standout role in an actor's career, possibly their best, but not necessarily it could be a standout role. So we'll be specifically talking next week about Christian Bale and American Psycho. Who here has seen this? I have. It's been a while, but I have. Yeah. I don't normally do this. Um, I won't get into specifics, but for 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 May and our audience <laughs> members, I would suggest looking at the Does the Dog Die? There is lots of lots and lots and lots of stuff in this movie that might trigger you if you are uh, have any sort of sensitive tummies about violence and and a number of things. It's not as bad as the the book. Um, the book is way worse, but um, it does push the envelope pretty heavily when it comes to violence. So just FYI, there's your disclaimer. I'll leave it up to you to, uh, to look it up. I thought this was just the charming story of Christian Bale pursuing <laughs> the American dream. <laughs> and learning about Huey Lewis and the it news is. and some great music and just having a nice time talking about it. Yeah, it, oh, it yeah. is wicked. It is a wickedly funny movie. Um, and in a way, it's about the American dream. But the inspiration was actually the death of the American dream and yuppie culture. And it's a really just a big takedown of like, you know, um, yuppie culture in the 80s really was the inspiration so uh hope you enjoy it um don't i i didn't pick it at least may you got no one to blame but yourself (laughs) (laughs) well i asked what category because i couldn't remember if i put it for role of a lifetime or you haven't seen because i haven't Mm. seen it yet so yeah or against my better judgment could be (laughs) could could be one um but yeah i'm excited to see this because i I think i prepared um I did. I, I I'll I'll link this to you guys if you're interested because it's kind of crazy. But um, I learned about someone that had trained a bot to respond on dating profiles for them, and they mm. only fed the bot uh, quotes from American Psycho. <laughs> did it break the bot? Did the bot become sentient and wish a swift death or something like? Well, so that's like all every every girl this guy matched with. That's like all the dialogue would just be quotes from American Psycho. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, depending on if it's shot. from the book or the uh, or the movie too, like that could be quite the uh, the number of wild things said. Right. <laughs> cool. But well, you I'm, know, I'm... it probably isn't crazier than the worst thing most women have heard on a dating app. Oh, I'm sure it's not even remotely close to the worst thing. Every once in a while, I'll stumble across something <laughs> on my timeline where I was just like, how? Like why? And Oh my god, but yeah. Well, more on that next next week, I'm sure. Toxic <laughs> masculinity will uh will, will certainly be a featured topic of this conversation. We hope you uh enjoy this episode about Harry Housen and we appreciate your support as always. Like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at ScreenQuest Pod. And of course, we're looking forward to more nominations. Get those in, fill out the Google form. It will be on the link to this video or in the podcast description if you're listening via audio. Until next week, we love you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, guys.